1: Hey everybody, welcome to Performance Anxiety. Thank you so much for tuning in and continuing to listen. Today's episode features a legacy bassist who's earned all of his success. Jack Bates began his career playing in Peter Hook and the Light. Peter Hook is the bassist for both Joy Division and New Order. Jack is his son, and his career has consisted of playing three-hour shows ever since. He now plays bass for the Smashing Pumpkins. He tells us what it's like to grow up playing bass when your dad is a legend on the instrument. He also discusses how he met Billy Corgan and how he began playing for the Pumpkins. Give him a follow on Instagram at JackBates underscore music because he's been going live once a week with his dad and they're hilarious together. Follow us at Performance Annex. And you know what else you gotta do. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. And enjoy this theme song because Jack wrote it. Thanks, Jack.
0: Alright. Uh, hey, this is Jack Bass. I play bass for Peter Hook and the Light and Smashing Pumpkins. And you are listening to Performance Anxiety. Um, I chat with Mark, so enjoy.
2: Good. We are all set on the... about as far as tech- technical issues as i go can you hear me yeah i can hear you good
0: we're all set that's all we need man exactly exactly how you doing today man yeah not bad not bad just say uh typical lazy sunday just finished doing my laundry just um not very interesting but that's life yeah
2: exactly i'm I'm sitting here in my front room of my house looking out a window on an overcast day but it's very very it's, it's a nicely overcast day it's
0: yeah it's pretty it's pretty gray here which is usually uh the norm from from manchester yeah <laughs> <I gotta say. laughs> so, um it's been it's actually it's been weird because obviously with the lockdown um yeah. everyone's everyone's staying at home and during that time the weather's been amazing which is just totally out of character for manchester of course and um it's sort of made the whole thing even more difficult but then over the last couple of weeks, the weather's sort of gone back to being shit, and I think <laughs> a lot of people are sort of breathing a sigh of relief. All right, we're back to normal. Yeah, well, it just makes it less annoying to, to have to stay in. Yeah,
2: you know, I, I know uh, the UK's been hit pretty hard, and my area, uh, you know, it's weird. We haven't really been... I'm in Virginia, and my area right. of Virginia hasn't been hit really very hard. Uh, they've... Uh, I'm about 75 miles west of DC and uh, I guess that's about, you know, it's as far as you need to go because it's, yeah. we're not, it's not rampant here. I mean, there's a few cases, but you know, they, man, I'll tell you what, they've, they've done some uh, pretty severe shutdowns here uh, Like my kids haven't been in school for, for two months, two and a half months, something like that.
0: Yeah. So, so are, you, are you having to homeschool?
2: No, that's the weird thing. They kind of, I'm in a, in a area where it's, it's, I'm right, I'm very close to the West Virginia border, and once you kind of right. hit that border, things get pretty rural, uh-huh. and they can't guarantee the internet coverage on the, on, on the edge of the county close to the West Virginia border. And so oh, wow. yeah, so what they 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 can't guarantee that that uh, everybody on that end of the county has fast enough internet to get the work done. Uh, right. And so they just decided um, the teachers are going to post work up for your kids, but it's not going to be graded. It's
0: <laughs> they right they would it's just, like to, I guess they're just trying to get something out there.
2: Yeah, exactly. So they're just kind of averaging the kids grades for the first Uh, semester first and what they did the second half of the year what they were able to complete and that's kind of going to be their grades for the year but right right they're not doing any schoolwork i mean i know a lot of people a lot of friends in new jersey and a lot of friends in other areas of virginia are having to online school but
0: in my case yes i know um i know quite a lot of people in 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 the states obviously in various states and it seems like everyone is is uh, Dealing with it differently, you know. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. There's there's no real uniform plan, and, and you know that on kind of the way the, the country works, you know, there's it's a bunch of separate states. So and even but even within those states, the counties are different. So it, it's right. It's pretty wild. It's kind of like the Wild West again. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, it's been. I mean, it's been pretty bad here. I mean, I, I think we I think we're well past the uh, the worst I, of it at the moment yes. it's sort of it is on the way down day by day but even then it's like um you know i was, I was watching i was watching the news yesterday and they seemed like they were buzzing that only 150 people
2: died today so like there's still 150 people i know
0: it's, it's I, I just thought I just sort of i mean it, it was really sad if, if, about six weeks ago i actually lost my granddad to the to the virus which oh, is, so sorry, which is sad for us no it's i mean it's it's cool we're, everyone's dealing with it the best we can but it was it's just like um when i was every time i see the number it just sort of reminds me like you know that's so many people going through what what we went through which is really bad and you know we weren't even allowed to have like a proper service for him it was bad
2: i know the feeling i not personally but uh, a friend of mine from high school that i've kind of kept in touch with on and off uh lost both his parents within a week of each other uh, yeah, virus. Right. They were, they were both not in the best of health. So they were highly susceptible and they live in New York right. city. So, you know, they're in the, yeah. W-
0: New York was a real hot spot, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And being highly susceptible, it, you know,
0: it, it, I mean, it, it was it, it, pretty much the same in, in my granddad's case. Cause, uh, he was 89 had a few health wow. problems, but he was, he actually had to go into hospital for something completely unrelated. Oh, and, um, wow i think that the protocol at the time was when you get admitted to hospital they test you anyway so yeah. he tested negative so we were all really happy about that and then oh wow because of the time that he had to spend in there for clearing up this other thing that he had going on he, he caught it in the meantime so it was oh, man it was pretty yeah. rough but i mean yeah so I, I, fortunately we're past the uh, the peak as they keep calling it yeah here. but um i mean I, I think they've started lifting a few of the restrictions now in the UK, or in England anyway. I'm not sure about the rest of the UK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm just sort of continuing with my own uh, self-imposed lockdown. <laughs> I don't
1: have
0: to go out. I'm not going out.
2: Yeah. I've, it's funny. I'm trying to keep my kids busy doing projects and stuff. And my son just kind of took it upon himself yesterday, which, which is amazing, to uh, completely... Wash the upstairs bathroom. Clean it oh, wow. from top to bottom. He, that's how <laughs> bored he was. <laughs> Something to do. Yeah. Fortunately, I got. I. I just got a project for the both of us to do. So, um, and and this is a, a, a complete tangent, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't care. This is my show. I do whatever the fuck I want.
0: There you go, man. So, You're I, rules. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, a few weeks ago, I had uh, well several several weeks ago, I had. Uh, the owner of zvex vex FX pedals on Zachary Vex. And I just released it a couple of weeks ago and we were talking and uh, I've always wanted one or two of his pedals, but they're one of those boutique pedals and they're not cheap. Yeah. yeah they're not, they're not cheap. So I was like, ah, oh, but I've wanted one for, there's this one I want to call the machine for like 12 years. I saw YouTube. Right. Yes. Yeah, a YouTube demo on it, like literally 12 years ago. And I'm like, that's amazing. One of these days I'm going to get it because i I play guitar terribly i'm I'm self basically self-taught and I just make a lot of noise, but I like to make noise so right this this pedal will help to do that it's a it's like a it's a distortion type of pedal and uh, the way normal distortion pedals work you, you know on that on the sine wave the 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 distortion hits on the peak and the trough of of the sine wave with yeah and in the middle this your speaker's just kind of coasting and not doing anything and there's it's not actually distorting. What this pedal does is it makes it distort in the middle, and so you get, oh, cool. all, yeah, you get all these really weird noises and, and distortion crunchiness. It's just it's it's kind of it's a little unpredictable, but it's it's really awesome. Um, yeah, it sounds fun. Oh, it's a blast! It's called the machine. So I was, right. talking, I was talking to him about it, and uh, we got onto some of his other pedals, obviously, and he's got this one called the Invento Box. And uh-huh. it's a pedal that you kind of build yourself. It's got like 15 knobs on it, and it's got a breadboard for the circuitry. So what it means is it's just a blank circuit board. And the, the circuitry for, I think, three different pedals comes with it, and you can you can wire it up. Right. And you can kind of the, – the he said the whole idea was that he would – Make available some other circuitry for some of his other pedals, and hopefully, some third parties would maybe make their own that you could do and make your own really interesting pedal. And, and, and
0: yeah, that sounds cool, man.
2: Yeah, so I'm like,
0: that. I love they, all those crazy pedals. Oh,
2: the, yeah, it's it's amazing. And so he's he's like, yeah, that was the whole idea, but it's kind of like oh, uh, it came across as like a father son project that he wanted to sell, and he said it just never really caught on. So he's like I, was like, I want to get one of those. He's like, look, I'll tell you what, I will make you a great deal on one of those. I sold almost <laughs> none of them. He's like, so I've got a ton of them still. Wow. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So I'll, I'll get the machine and and this Invento box and yeah. what kind of price can you give me on that? He's like, all right, I'll make you a great deal. I got a demo that we used in a bunch of videos of the machine and uh, I've yeah, I'll make a hell of a deal on the Evento boxes. I'm just, I just want to get rid of some of them. Oh, nice! So they came in the other day, and uh, I've been playing with the machine, and and so now my son, my son loves electronics. He looked, he, it's so funny. He, his big thing is to go on like eBay and look up old TVs. He loves old TVs. He loves to, <laughs> to take them apart. Yeah, and fix them. And he's sixteen. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's sixteen years old. And he, wow that's cool and he wants to take he takes them apart and and fixes the cathode ray tubes and does all this other stuff it's just and then he they they work better and it's it's so he loves this electronics stuff that i've so got
0: like. a putting a putting engineer in the house that's
2: what i'm telling him i'm telling him he's he's kind of like oh i do, i like to, i'd love to repair old tvs i'm like no 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 go beyond that <laughs> design yeah, yeah. the tvs design the uh, the stuff that goes into it. so i'm trying to trying to Nourish, encourage this, and push him in a in a more lucrative direction than opening a TV repair shop that nobody's going to go to because nobody repairs TVs anymore except for him. Right, right. So, but uh, so the whole point of this long story is is that we got this thing, and we're at, and uh, it, it's it's a really wild, it's an enormous pedal. But that's one of the projects I'm going to have him do during this whole lockdown is to uh, get. The two of us are going to start this afternoon, and we're going to start putting this thing together and hopefully have a really wild pedal board for him because he knows how to play guitar, but it's not, that's not his passion.
0: Right. He's
2: in band. He's in school band, but he plays the tuba. So actually, all, three oh, wow. my, yeah, all three of my kids are in the band. I got a trumpeter, a tuba player, and a French horn.
0: Wow, so you can start your own uh, family brass band. Oh,
2: dude, it's a racket here. It's <laughs> crazy. It's, it's nothing but a cacophony when they get going. But...
0: Nice. All right,
2: well, I'm going to take a cup of my, uh, sip of my coffee here. and
0: Yeah, it's early, isn't it? <laughs> and
2: we'll get going. Yeah, it's, it's about quarter after eight, so it's, I'd be up anyway, but I'd still be sipping on my coffee at this point. So Cool. So I'll be doing that throughout this show.
0: But I got my tea. So all right. I'm, I'm joining you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks again for for doing this, man. It, it was uh, really awesome when you when you said you 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 agreed to come on. It was that that was really cool. I really do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for the invite. I mean, it was weird because um, I I hadn't heard of your podcast until you not did a lot of the, people have. the Lanigan episode.
2: Yeah, not a lot of people
0: have. And <laughs> <laughs> so when when I heard the, I listened to the the episode with with Mark Lanigan. I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I was going through and through your sort of, because I noticed that was your, was it
1: 100th, or 150th? 100th, yeah, yeah.
0: 100th one. So then I was looking through sort of the back catalog, and I was just like, oh, Scarlet Page, that's cool. And then, yeah. oh, Bruce Pavitt, oh, Alan Johannes, And then I started listening to a few of those, and then literally a week later um, got the message from you. So that was weird.
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love when, when uh, I, I hear that because, you know, doing this, I just don't exactly know who's – Who's willing to go into the back catalog a little bit? You know, if I get, right. I'll get people that this is a great interview, and like, okay, well, you know, this is episode number ninety-seven. Go back and and check, <laughs> you know, go see who you like. You know, I, have I had the one of the two of the biggest shows I've had were Mark Lanigan and uh, Michael Girard from Swans. And yeah. So I, but I've had a lot of people related to those guys on. You know, I've had uh, people who played in Swans and uh, people who related to Mark and you know, like Alan Johannes and, and all, and go back and listen, go look, you might find other people.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, Alan, Alan in particular, is that was an interesting episode just because he's such an interesting guy.
2: Oh, he, he is. He is. And, uh,
0: and yeah. even if you take out, like, the, the fact that he's worked with a ton of bands and got his own cool, you know, uh, back catalog of his own. Oh, yeah. Even if you take all that out, just his story about like coming from Chile and via Germany or whatever it was. Yeah. It was, it was cool.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then, and ending up in LA. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's
2: now he's, he's been in back in, uh, Chile for a while, ever since the virus hit. So
0: yeah, I saw that. Yeah.
2: So, and, uh, and, and one of the, the cool things about this show is that a lot of times I'd like to say that most people have a, a good time doing this show and so they don't mind staying in touch. And I do other shows where former guests will come back on and we'll do something that's completely different. Like I said before, you know, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed the episodes. I'm really glad you decided to come on. And uh, I wanted to find out a little bit more because your background, the way you got into music, is a lot different from a lot of guests I've had on. Um, right. Not too many guests are the kids of iconic musicians. So... I, I want to know a little bit more about how I can imagine how you got into music. I mean, you know, it's the family business, but, <laughs> you know, it's sometimes a, a lot of kids will rebel, and but I know a lot of people will do that. You know, whatever your family business is, the kids will do comp- something completely different to rebel. I mean, for you to rebel, you would have had to become an accountant, but, you know,
0: that <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't good enough at math. <laughs>
2: So so was bass playing uh, part of your childhood? When did you start playing instruments? And did you start with bass?
0: Yeah, I did start with bass. Uh, probably about age 10 or 11 when I started being interested in what all these things were that were done right around the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, at that point, it's funny because... When I, I was born in 1989, which is like the peak of uh, New Order, especially yeah. in the states, like yeah. they were they were huge then. But they actually broke up um, not too long after that. I think Republic, the Republic album came out in '93, right? And then I don't think they played together for another f- for like five or six years after that. So obviously, I was too young to sort of remember that first bit. And then for me growing up, the bit that I remember was my dad playing in his side project band, which was called Monaco. Um, okay. they had in the late nineties, sort of 97, 98, they put out a couple albums. And obviously the, while there was a lot of interest in his side project, just because of who he is, it wasn't as big as new order. Right. So the shows, the shows that I would see him play would sort of be in clubs and sort of things like that. You just, you know, I'd go to the sound check or whatever, but I'm still young at this point. So I wouldn't be allowed to stay for the gig. And then, um, it was probably about three years later when I got to about ten, eleven, and new order got back together. And then I remember finding it really strange. Like, Oh, he's playing with a different bunch of people and the show is 20 times as big. Like yeah. that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, so I think from that perspective, that was when I started showing a bit more interest. And then, um, I used to like, when I knew a couple of riffs, i of aged 12 ish uh i used to like going to the sound check so that i could play his bass really loud oh wow <laughs> in an arena or something
2: that's awesome
0: so that was always cool and then it sort of just i guess it just sort of spiraled from there he he bought me my first bass when i was 13 or 12 maybe 13 um and then ever since then that that's that's all i wanted to do really
2: oh man that's fantastic so- when when New Order uh, kind of reformed, reunited, and, and started touring again, were you following them all over the place, or was it just select places that you'd like local places, or were you on the road with them for a while?
0: When they first came back, sort of two thousand one, yeah, because I was still a bit young, so I would probably only go to like the Manchester show or the Liverpool show. I used you want more of the local ones. Okay. But then um, as I got older, I remember when uh, what was the name of the album? Uh, Waiting for the Sirens' Call when that came out in 2005, which is the last New Order album with my dad on it, because I was about 16 at that point. And that was old enough to sort of like go on tour. So I did that on tour, which was cool. And yeah, I guess at that point it was just like, this is, this is pretty cool. I want to do it. I better start practicing. (laughs) And then um, the, the thing that everyone always assumes is that like he, wow, he must've taught you how to play bass. And and he didn't because he said to me, if I teach you, you'll just end up sounding like me.
1: Yeah. So
0: you need to, uh, if you want to do it, you should teach yourself. And, you know, if you want to play like me, great. But you should also learn to play in other styles. And, and now if I can play styles that he can't play. That doesn't mean I'm a better bass player. It just is, right, right. you know, we just took different paths to learning the instrument.
2: Yeah, you you... you... Want to have your own voice on the instrument? You don't want to be a, a clone of of your dad, right? So when you're growing up, obviously you're seeing and hearing Joy Division, New Order. Was that a influence on you? I mean, did you did you or did you listen to other bands instead? Like you know, was that like oh, that's my dad's music? I, I'm gonna this is my music. That's his music. You know, and <laughs> never the twain yeah. shall meet.
0: Right? No, I mean. I was aware of it and I like I like the songs obviously but I was much more into heavier music when I was growing up. And um okay. so a lot of the a lot of bands that I like he doesn't like and that's cool. Um <laughs> but I always knew like, you know, New God is a cool band. And Joy Division and it was always there, but it was only one in two thousand ten. Uh so he, he actually left well there is an argument as to whether he left or whether the band split. Right. yeah. <laughs> still going yeah. on. Um, so New Order finished, should we say, in 2007, I think. Okay. And then it was only in, uh, 2010 when he started the idea of touring on his own, which I would do with him playing the music. It was only then really that New Order and Joy Division became huge for me in terms of a fan, as well as playing music. But I mean, it was, it was still always there before that.
2: Was that when he started with uh, The Light? With, yeah. Okay.
0: So May uh, May the 18th, 2010, so literally 10 years ago this week, oh, wow. um, was when Pioch and The Light started playing. And um, it, that was because at the time it had been 30 years since Ian Curtis died, the singer of Joy Division. Yeah. And um, my dad's idea was to play one show, in Manchester, where he would play Unknown Pleasures, the debut album, mm-hmm. and then as a way of celebrating Ian's life, you know, rather than sort of marking his death, he, he sort of spins it as we're celebrating what he did in his life, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, and it just sort of all snowballed from there. It, it, I think it sold out about four, it, was, it was only like a 450 capacity venue in Manchester, he really did. Um, Wow. When, when he started doing his own thing he really did start again at the bottom as it were oh wow. and we didn't know are people going to be into it are people going to accept him singing the songs and you know it was quite oh, a big wow. it was a lot was a lot to consider
2: yeah you know i didn't even think about that aspect of it because it to me it, it would be more of of peter hook is, is of joy division is going to be doing joy division i'm there that would be and and you know, much like you, I came to Joy Division and New Order late, um, just because, like, you know, it's similar to you. I was into a lot heavier music as a kid, and right. uh, I had a lot of friends who were big New Order fans and and Joy Division fans. And I was, no, that's not for me. I I, I I need Megadeth or Soundgarden, you know. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. It's only once I started having a family. That, and then they st- and my kids started listening to different things. I'm like, that's interesting. And then I would actually look at that band and, and see, because one of the ways I find some of my favorite bands is to see who they are influenced by. And so, then my kids would listen to a band like that's actually pretty good for a bunch of young kids. And then okay, let's see who did who did they get influenced by. And then you go on back and then they, New Order pops up, Joy Division pops up, and I started listening and like, this is a lot better than I remember. Right, and so if if I saw, say, you know, Joy Division or you know Joy Division but, uh, sung by Peter Hook, be, I'm in. That's that sounds awesome. It it just seems. I mean,
0: it's like, one of those things where plenty of people did did feel like that. Um, um plenty of people didn't. So it was like, you know, we, we did. He did get a lot of criticism just for the idea of it. Wow, you know, even though the show was for charity and it's just to celebrate the music and. Yeah, just wanted to play because he hadn't played for three years since New Order split. Wow! And then um, you know some people were pretty harsh on it, but then plenty of people embraced it, and you know we're still doing it ten years later. Yeah, it really did. Um, like yeah. that, that one night became two nights because it sold out so quickly, and then we started getting offers that summer from festivals, um, which was pretty nerve wracking because we'd literally gone from playing two club shows to like headline in a stage at Benny Kasim in Barcelona.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: And it was pretty that was only my fourth gig ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it was pretty you uh, really <laughs> were sort of thrown into oh. the deep end. All so you of you're playing with these season touring bands.
2: Yeah. And, 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 you know, you start off playing in front of 450 people, which for a first and second gig is still really good to right. thousands of people for your third gig.
0: Yeah. And then sure. I remember uh, so that, that summer 2010, we started in May. That was the summer we did, did some festivals. And then we got our first tour, like a headline tour, was in Australia and New Zealand that September.
2: Oh,
1: wow. Wow.
0: Uh, which I remember very vividly because I had my 21st birthday while I was over there.
2: Oh, wow.
0: So that was cool. <laughs> and, and then awesome. it, yeah, it really did just sort of snowball from there. And I think we're up to about 640 gigs now in 10 years. Wow. So which what- for someone at his age uh, to average more than a gig a week consistently for 10 years is kind of amazing. That's fantastic,
2: man. Yeah, because, I mean, he's been playing music since... The mid...
0: That was oh, professionally 1976. The mid-
2: yeah. That's... <laughs> man, that's the year my brother was born. Yeah. And <laughs> I... Mean, well, I can't say anything because I'm older than him, so... Anyway. I was going to say he's old, but I'm actually older. <laughs> <laughs> but what's it like touring with your dad? Because I know a lot of... Like, we were talking about listening to music and getting into something that your parents don't do as a, as a form of rebellion. A lot of bands start out as a way to get out of the house and get away from your parents. But right. you're trapped with your dad touring, going around <laughs> the world up touring with him. Um, I assume you guys have a pretty tight and strong relationship.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a great relationship. We're really good friends. Uh, and it's actually quite, it's, it's fun because obviously when we're, when we're working or on tour or whatever, you know, you're always talking about the band and the shows and all that. Yeah. But then it's quite cool. Uh, you know, well, not at the moment with the lockdown, but usually every couple of weeks when the family will get together and we'll sort of make a point about not talking about all that stuff. So we can sort of remember that, you know, we are family too.
2: That's good. Oh man, that's really important.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really is, is a really mellow, easygoing guy. who's easy to work with. And, um, you know, and at the end of the day, he just wants to go out and play. That's always been his main thing. He loves playing live. He was very frustrated towards the end of his time in New Order uh, just because they didn't play as much as he wanted to play. And when they did play, it would just be the same set list over and over again. And he, he got very frustrated with that. So doing his own thing has allowed him to right those wrongs in a way.
2: So a uh, typical show for Peter Hook and the Light. It's it, it's a pretty long show. It's what was over 2 hours, right?
0: Yeah, well it started out as, a, as quite kind of normal sort of like 90 minutes and okay. then um, o- over the 10 years we've we've turned it into like a 3 hour uh, oh, thing. I mean his his, his his the whole point behind it was to play the Dry Division album on the anniversary. Right. And then exactly a year later he played the second album on on the anniversary, the same day again and then the next one and it's just gone that sort of turned, from doing joy division albums he carried that on into new order. Oh, so okay. all of our shows feature albums performed in full. Oh uh, wow. usually back to back. So we'll do when we get booked to do a do a joy division thing, we'll we'll play Unknown Pleasures and Closer as part of the set and then do an encore. So it starts that turns it into like a three hour show.
2: Wow! Oh my gosh!
0: We'll, we'll do the same with the new order ones as well. Like we we'll play movement alongside power corruption and lies, so it'll be like a double header.
2: Oh my gosh!
0: It That's just really crazy. depends on the. Uh, it just depends on what what the promoters want to book, you know?
2: Right? Do you ever uh, mix the two together to like uh, maybe one will be a one half of the show will be a joy division, the other half will be new order.
0: Well, it's funny because uh, the the biggest tour that we've done was the Substance tour, which was where there, there's, a, there's a Substance album for Joy Division and New Order. Right, yeah. And um, it's kind of like a best of. It sort of features the singles and all the big tunes are on it. Okay. So when, when we got to Substance in the sort of chronological sequence, uh, which came out in 1987, the New Order one, mm-hmm. my dad's idea was, well, let's play the Joy Division one too, and we'll just do it, complete half and half show. Wow which was still, I think, about a three-hour show. And, um, yeah. <laughs> so it's totally split down the middle, and it was quite interesting seeing the different reactions in the crowd and that kind of thing. Um, but awesome. that, that was actually, I think that, that tour was the biggest one yet. So cause I think one of the advantages of, certainly in this day and age, when you're touring albums, people know in advance, like, I'm going to hear all the songs I want to hear. Yeah. It's not there's there's not gonna be a gray area of are they gonna play this, are they gonna play that? Yeah. So people know that if you come out to see my dad, he's gonna play all the songs you wanna hear. It's gonna be a long show and it'll be fun.
2: You gotta get your money's worth for sure. <laughs> Three hours, man. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't care how yeah. much those tickets cost. That's that's
1: worth
0: well, his his big, that's another good thing about it. His thing has always been I wanna keep the I wanna keep the ticket prices, you know, as low as we can. And just get out there.
2: I love your dad. We,
0: no, he's cool, and he, he just enjoys it. That's the main thing. That's fantastic. And
2: you both play bass on the, you know, on stage in in the band. I guess, yeah. I'd imagine that kind of allows you guys to play some of the songs that maybe they couldn't play live before then.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it, I mean, it's interesting because um, he's, he he can sing and play, but in a, it, I think for a sh- for a whole show, it would have been hard for him to sort of do that. So. The idea was that if I'm going to sing it, then we need another bass player. Yeah. So that's where that's where I came in, and the idea being that he still plays a lot of bass in the show, mm-hmm. but he'll take a lot of the leads and a lot of the intros and a lot of the big, you know, we give him the show off part, <laughs> and then uh, I'll I'll always be playing, you know, underneath him. So you hold it But down. There are a lot. Of, I mean, people. It's where some people can kind not of get the head around it at first. And then when they come and see the show, they get it. It's hard to explain. Like, Obviously, there's, um, my dad's style leads to a lot of solos and lead oh, yeah. bass. So it sort of allows you to have two basses. And when, they're, when they're both going, it sounds massive.
2: It does. I've listened to a few of the shows um, and some of the clips on YouTube. It sounds amazing when the two of you guys are playing together.
0: It does let us play a lot of songs that, that New Order found difficult to play for that reason
2: it's that's and and you guys are are awesome together on stage it's it's kind of funny because when you when you're playing and and i I there's a couple of clips where you guys are playing facing each other and it's almost like twins up there you guys have the (laughs) same you know similar bases they're they're both slung kind of low and you're both slightly crouched down playing it's it's funny it's like it's like seeing peter now and then like you know, 20 yeah. years ago. He,
0: he always says it's like looking in a mirror. It's great. <laughs> uh, it almost looks it, like
2: one of those shows with a hologram, except right. slightly better quality.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny because he always says, like, um, when he wrote Unknown Pleasures, he was 21. And then when we started touring Unknown Pleasures, I was 21.
2: Oh, wow, I didn't so even think
0: about he's that. Sort of he would sort of stand there and look over at me and get all the memories of him because I look like what he used to look like. Oh, and it's just, my God. It's, I think it was all a little weird for him at first.
2: You know, that has got to be weird. I've I've had, you know, when certain things happen to you, you, know, you almost feel like you're out of your own body. And I can imagine, like, if, if I saw my son doing what I do at his age, it, it would be almost like, an outer body experience, but I'm actually there. It's, that's gotta be so crazy because, yeah, because, uh, you know, writing, recording and touring those albums w- was such a momentous occasion in his life that, that seeing a carbon copy of him doing the exact same thing has gotta be kind of weird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, ho- hopefully good with. But...
2: Yeah. That, ex- that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. You perform with Peter Hook in the light and then you do also do all the, uh, the websites and the social media are you still doing that for the, for the band
0: yeah I've, I've, wow. i mean my dad doesn't really get uh social media he gets the importance of it right but, um especially you know in this day and age he gets he gets that we need it yeah but if he was running it himself i mean he does he does go on there and use it occasionally but <laughs> most of these sort of admin stuff is is handled by me, which sort of can turn into a full-time job sometimes.
2: So it, this whole Peter Hook and the Light, it, it's still it's a it's a pretty tight organization. Then,
0: yeah, yeah, there's really not oh, there's not many people involved. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's five guys in the band, and then um, I sort of run the digital side, and then we have uh, a management team, and a, a really small crew, and and an agent, and that's pretty much it.
2: Man. That's fantastic. you know, it's a a small organization. It's it's got to be pretty nimble. Then, so that's that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people can't believe. Like, you know, we we started out in really small uh, venues, and now we're playing the same venues that huge bands play. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, thousands of people in America, oh, and we still we still show up with just two crew guys, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then like. Wow. The, The house guys in America will be like, where's your career? It's like, this is it.
1: Yeah,
0: we're streamlined. It's a very streamlined operation. And everyone in it has been working with my dad for for years and years and years. So it really does sort of feel like, I know there is family in the band, but it sort of feels like an extended family too.
2: Oh, that's good. That is awesome. I love hearing that. Now, how long do you get to prep for this? Like like when when you started doing these shows, So, so your first show, you were just doing the first album. Right, and then it, as it grows, is it hard to prep for all that? Because with the, the two bases, and then you know, playing these difficult songs that that the band couldn't play live when they were written, is it hard to prep for that? And how do you prep for
0: it? Uh, a lot of rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's, it's funny because when we were just when we were only playing the Joy Division catalog, it's easier in the sense that. It, there's there's not a lot of electronics involved. It's more of a straight up sort of rock rock songs. Right. And then um when we got to and the first New Order album is like that too. So when when we first started playing Movement, that was fine. Okay. But then when we got to the Power Corruption Lies, uh, Low Life Brotherhood albums, there's a lot more electronics involved. Just because that's the direction that New Order went in.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: yeah. that then means that you do have to start. You know, using sequences and backing tracks, and it, it, that becomes complicated. You start having to, with the jive division stuff. You know, if, if my dad wants to let the music sort of ring a little bit and comes in a verse late, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but if you do that to a to a <laughs> new artist where you're using sequences, everything's out. So oh, well, yeah. Like you have to be more disciplined with those.
2: Yeah, because that. Yeah, because once everything's put into a uh, into a machine into a system, a computer stuff. Yeah. that's very precise.
0: Yeah, it is, it is precise. That's, that's the word. And um, it's funny because uh, due to the way New Order ended, my dad doesn't have any access to uh, their official, uh, you know, tape, whatever they'd used oh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So we actually have a guy called Ken in Australia like a genius who rebuilds the songs from the ground up using the same instruments
2: oh my god
0: and then sends us the tracks to, to play with and why wow. i think i mean i'm biased but yeah <laughs> but i think our, our our tracks that we use sound so much better than than, than the old ones anyway
2: oh my god
0: so you really can't have cars you in in uh, Brisbane. It is an amazing stuff
2: is your dad playing bass for both bands, but is the approach to the bass different for the bands, or is it fairly similar?
0: I mean, it's weird because obviously a lot of these songs haven't been played for 40 years. Yeah. But by, the, by the time we come to play um, the process will really start out with me learning the songs and then showing him the riffs. Oh wow, <laughs> which is quite weird. And then uh, he'll turn around <laughs> to me and go, "I didn't play it like that." And I go, "Well, okay, let's let's figure it out then. because this is this is what I hear, and I'm I'm trying my best." And he'll be like, "No, no, I played it like this." And then I go, "But that's harder to play." Yeah, and he's like, yeah, but I didn't know what that meant back then, so I just played it like that, you know. Oh my god! So we do, we do, um, we do butt heads now and again <laughs> when it comes to that, but it's always it's always good natured
2: that's wild and it, it's amazing how you can hear it one way but it's played a completely different way
0: yeah exactly like i mean if i can hear i can listen to those records and and pick out the riffs and and learn them and then it, and then it's it's you're i'll just sort of play them the way i feel like it it would have been played which it would be the easiest way and then he'll say no no i played it like this and I'm used to playing it like that, so that's how I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> you want to play, play? it that way? That's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, how did you end up meeting up with Billy Corgan?
0: Uh, so it's quite it's quite a long story, but we'll we'll go into it.
2: Yeah. Um, hey, I got nothing but time.
0: So in 2001, <laughs> Billy actually toured with New Order for for about six months.
2: I remember that.
0: As a touring guitar player,
2: I remember then, hearing about that. Yeah.
0: I Remember at the time I didn't know who he was because I was only like 12. Oh, and, wow! Um, but I remember him being there. I just thought I just wasn't clued up on on his band or who yeah, he just... was. So it's quite remarkable now looking back at that. And it was only sort of, when I got to about probably 14 ish that I discovered the pumpkins and they became one of my favorite bands. And obviously, at that point, so sort of 2004, the pumpkins weren't uh active as a band after right. the split. They didn't come back until two thousand and seven. So from two thousand and seven, you know, me and my dad would go every time they play in Manchester. And we'd you know, we'd go and say hello and, and meet up and stuff. Yeah. And then so it was quite natural really. And then in two thousand ten when we started touring um as the light, every time we'd play Chicago, um my dad would invite Billy to come and sing with us. Which oh, he would cool. do. And then it so he did that sort of every year for four or five years, always at the Metro in Chicago. And then it just sort of yeah progressed from there. I guess he saw that I could play, and then he did a bass player, and he asked me to do it.
2: Oh wow! Well, yeah. If, if he sees you know you're playing some crazy ass Joy Division New Order stuff that the band couldn't even do live, and you guys are pulling it off, I'd I'd hire you for my band too. Yeah, <laughs> man. So how did your dad feel when when, uh, Billy wanted you to join the Pumpkins?
0: I think, well, he's always been proud of it, but I think he was quite worried because he's he's sort of thinking, you know, what happens with my band? Yeah. (laughs) uh, Over the last few years, I've really tried to to balance it out where I can do everything, but obviously it's not possible. Um, That's
2: got to be tough.
0: So he's been, it's, it's annoyed him a few times where I've said, oh, no, I'm not available for that or I'm not available for this. Um, but we've had great people standing in for me uh, the last couple of years, and so it's actually once once he played a show, once he played one show without me, and he saw that this can happen.
2: Oh, um,
1: wow. yeah.
0: Then it was sort of he was he was it made it it made the whole thing a lot easier.
2: Oh, I can so imagine. Then, yeah, that's you since know. Since then, he's been very cool with it. That's good because he started the whole thing with you, and and you know I'm sure yeah I can I can understand him being worried about that because it's not easy music to play.
0: No, it isn't, and uh, it's a lot of songs to learn just because of the length of the show.
2: Well, and you got to do that for for two complete sets now with Peter Hook and yeah. the Light, and now the Smashing Pumpkins because the last tour, you guys were, again playing three plus hour shows. I mean,
0: that's... Yeah, 2018, um, <laughs> on the shiny and also bright tour, we were playing for about three hours and 20 minutes.
2: God, that's
1: insane. The, I mean,
0: it was incredible. The set was amazing. And it, was, it wasn't it was even like... Um, it didn't feel like that long because I was enjoying it so much.
2: That All right, so I got to ask you a question. What did it feel like the first time you heard Jack Bates of the Smashing Pumpkins?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still... Um, a little bit mind-blowing.
2: <laughs> can...
0: Well, just because, you know, since I was about 14, they've been one of my favorite bands. So to, to, to play them now is uh is is wild, really.
2: That's... Yeah, I mean, I've... I've it's, a dream
0: come, it's a dream come true. It is a dream come true.
2: It, yeah, I can only imagine because it's, they've been one of my favorite bands since Gish came out. I mean, I was... I was in college when Gish came out. And that whole album... Uh, actually, the first thing I ever heard by Smashing Pumpkins because I, I didn't get Gish when it initially came out. I remember seeing it in the record stores and thinking, "Smashing Pumpkins—that's a weird name." And right. then, and then I bought the soundtrack to the movie Singles because I was a, oh, yeah. at that time I, I love Mother Love Bone, and I know I—I knew that they had morphed into Pearl Jam after you know I, yeah. I knew the whole that whole backstory, and obviously a big Soundgarden fan at the time, and so I'm listening. And all of a sudden, the last song of the album comes on, and I'm like this, this is pretty good. Drown comes is dr-
0: on. drown, isn't it? Yeah. yeah
2: and I'm like this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the end solo comes on with the all that feedback and noise, and I'm just like, yeah, it's amazing. This is amazing. This is the best song ever written. Remember, I was outside on my on the uh, back deck of my dad's house. I think I was—I don't know if I was painting the deck or cleaning something. and and I just stopped and I just stood there and I just listened. And I was, this is incredible. And it, it was literally one of those moments where I'm like, everything has just changed now. Yeah, this, I yeah. can't. I, this is this is what I love, and and, and that's it, cool. So it, I can only imagine playing with them now would be just you know, mind-blowing. It's so much
0: fun. It's so much fun, honestly.
2: But, so how do you prepare? Because you, you, when you started off playing, the, the the show wasn't three and a half hours. Was it? it was it was a little more of a normal length of a show. And then it's just kind of grown. Is it hard to go and and learn all these songs and just Billy really tell you exactly what's going to be played? Or do you have to kind of learn a whole lot?
0: I think for... The 2018, which was the big show, I think I got. I had a list of something like 45 songs. Oh, like I Jesus. sent a list. Like we're gonna pick from, we're gonna pick from these. You know, you're not. We're not gonna play them all. We're just. We're gonna pick from it. So I just but you thought. Know well, so I just thought I've. Well, I've got the time, and uh, <laughs> I'll just. I'll just not. I want. want to show up, knowing them all. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was it. So I'll just spend. I probably spent, the tour started in uh, May. Two, well, rehearsals started in May 2018. But I probably started in about February. Uh, just getting to know all the songs and playing them every day at home.
2: And then you guys will also do covers during the set, like Stairway to Heaven, Space Oddity. Uh, yeah. And sometimes they will, will pull out like a Cure cover. And I know, yeah. they, I know they've done Joy Division songs. Is, yeah. Do you know those ahead of time? I mean, is it going to be, is it something where he's like, all right, we're gonna choose from these four covers. We're gonna play a couple of covers. Know these songs.
0: Uh, it, well, it's, it's funny because um, when I, when I got the list, some of the covers were on it. And "Stairway to Heaven" wasn't at the time. Uh, <laughs> but like "Space Space Oddity" was, and it's weird because you sort of think, "Well, all right, I'll learn. I'll just learn the Bowie song, so at least I know the notes." But obviously, when we get into rehearsals, the the Pumpkins version is is different to the. To the Bowie one, yeah. So it, it, It's it's kind of weird with uh with covers because you can only do so much prep because you're gonna change it anyway. Whereas it's easier to to learn the uh, the the pumpkin songs.
2: okay, okay. So, is there? A, how long do you guys prep for before a show? Is it you know months at a time or is it weeks?
0: Uh, so far the 2018 tour. We did two months' rehearsals. Wow. Um, every day, two months. <laughs> and it was, it was great, though, because, I mean, I I, I want as long as possible because I, I want to be ready. I want to be more than ready by the time we get there. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, it's an arena tour. It's big. It was the first time that James Ehar had been playing in the Pumpkin since 2000, so there was a lot of attention on the tour for all those reasons. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember thinking well two months great you know I was I don't I didn't want it to be just a week or something so oh, I, was, yeah. I was happy that we had all that time and uh so we did two months rehearsals from May and then the tour started in July and then we went through to Christmas pretty much and I, I did go home I came home to England in the middle of it uh sort of after the summer and before the the autumn dates Okay. And then when we went back into the end of the year shows, we only did like two weeks or something just to sort of refresh because the main part of the work had been done.
2: Right, right. And it was a shorter break, but but your arms must be like Popeye. I mean, you, <laughs> both bands you play with play over three hours a night. Do you have to do anything while you're not touring just so when you start practicing and, and rehearsing that, that your arms don't cramp up all the time?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just like to I play every day, even if it's just for thirty minutes or an hour, and uh, that's that, that's really the best way to to stop that from happening. Well, you just got to keep wild. playing. I don't, I don't even think about it anymore as being abnormal. It's just normal to me for <laughs> to play for that long now. <laughs> it, was, it was weird because the last the last tour we did, which was summer last year, so two thousand and nineteen. Where we, which was mainly festivals. And, you know, we're playing for about an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. And then you get to the end of it and you just like, wow, it's over already. Oh.
2: <laughs> so you, you're kind of like, that, that's kind of like over prepping then. So you, you're you like those, those uh, I don't know. You, you're over prepping so that when you do something normal, it seems light. Right. So now you also do, uh, and this is something I've always wanted to know. With the Pumpkins, you've played on a lot of, television shows and some radio shows like like, you know jimmy fallon jimmy kimmel uh howard stern's show is that a i know it's a completely different environment is there any is it weirder to play one you know one or two songs in a radio station do you have to prep differently since it's it's a completely different atmosphere is
0: is it it's a lot it's a lot to get your head around i mean for me it was a lot to get my head around just because i would never done it before yeah Um, so when we started doing that in 2018 was when we did the tv shows to get ready for that tour it was completely new to me so it was quite nerve-wracking and it's weird you're so used to playing to people and it's yeah. just weird to have a camera in front of you it just it makes you feel a bit or it made me feel a bit sort of self-conscious and a bit more nervous that yeah
2: that uh, was what i wanted to know but it's cool
0: i mean it's at the end of the end of the day it's just fun, you know going on the shows and meeting the hosts and hanging out there all day it was it was great
2: yeah because i was wondered about that because technically you're performing for millions but there's only like you know what 20 people in there at most that you're playing you're actually playing in front of
0: yeah it was it it can it can be a bit weird um i actually preferred it, it was funny because you know some of these tv shows do have audiences like when we did jimmy fallon there's probably about 100 people in there LA And uh, when we did Jimmy Kimmel, it was on the outside stage, so it kind of felt like more of a gig, even though there was cameras everywhere.
2: Ah, uh,
1: okay.
0: Uh, but I actually, the most fun one was probably doing Howard Stern, because literally you're in a, a skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan, about 40 floors up, playing at full volume <laughs> with like offices all around, and it was just with just literally just him and uh, Robin sat there. Wow, and it was just like this is the weirdest but coolest thing ever. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that's got to be neat because you know I know Howard and, and Billy have have a history together. He's been going on that show for decades.
0: Yeah, he loves going on that.
2: Did you form a, a bond pretty quickly with Jimmy Chamberlain because uh, you guys have to hold down that whole set and it's and I know it's a little bit different from Joy Division and New Order because that stuff the the bass is a lot more of a lead instrument. And you know, yeah. like with the pumpkins, you, you're more holding down Billy.
0: Yeah, yeah it's it's a totally different uh, playing style for sure.
2: So is it Although pretty not, quickly?
0: Not, not on all the songs, not on all the songs, but it, it does it. It sort of is a different mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Jimmy's amazing. It's I don't, I can't talk enough about how great he is. And oh. Not not just on the stage, you know, oh, off stage okay. as well. He's become a really really good friend and almost like mentor, just listening to him talk about uh, just music. It's amazing. I mean, he's so dedicated. He's the most dedicated person to his instrument I think I've ever met. Oh, I can imagine. He's so uh, focused on putting on such an amazing show. And it's it's funny, like, you know, we play for that long and a lot of the drums are crazy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And he's like, he could play for another three hours. It doesn't. It just doesn't affect him. It's amazing.
2: That's amazing. I I know playing the stringed instruments can be you know difficult for three and a half hours, but I mean that's like running a, a marathon at full speed for three and a half hours. It, that's
0: yeah. It's amazing. It's it, it blows me away. Just w- watching him play how he plays for that long, and he could just play the whole thing again. <laughs> <laughs> and not, and it's yeah. I guess it takes some stamina.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he's been doing it for for decades. You know, he hasn't given up even when he wasn't in the Pumpkins. So it's
0: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he he can do anything. I mean, he, he can. He plays a lot of jazz shows uh, with his with his other band. Oh yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain Complex. I love that band. A, he does a lot of jazz gigs and yeah, it's amazing.
2: Oh, was to say with the two different bands, it, is there one song that's the, like the most difficult to play for either? The light or the pumpkins. Is there one song I sit there going, "God, this is a tough
3: song." I
0: think with 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 my dad's band, it would be uh, the perfect kiss by New Order, Mm. mainly because the bass parts are intricate and and you're playing really high up the neck, and it's 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 doesn't feel like bass playing. It's you know there's there's a huge solo at the end. He's playing, he's, he's playing on the very last fret on the G string and it's, it's, it's crazy, it's just unlike anything. Else, but it, it's also ten minutes long, yeah. and you're playing, you're playing two sequences, so there's no margin uh, for error in terms wow. of the arrangement So you have to be really, you have to be really focused while you're playing all this difficult stuff. So, oh so the band doesn't go out with the tracks. And right. You're playing in yeah. ten minutes, and then with the pumpkins, I don't know. I mean, Sh- Shiva from Gish is hard to play. Oh, really? Uh That's I. I've, I've, Struggled with that one at first. Like I've got it now, but I remember when I first saw that on the list, I was like, "Ooh, that's going to be tough." And then, it, and it was. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of them with 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 fast, uh, fast bass, like really f- a lot faster than I'm used to playing. You know, um, yeah, some of the riffs of uh, lightning quick. So, oh can, yeah, it it, t- it took some time. Like USA, the bass to that is tough as well.
2: Yeah, and and with a lot of those, you're right out there in the limelight mm. playing it and if yeah,
0: it's, it was, it's pretty it's i mean it, it blows my mind we yeah. be, be playing those riffs but like, i have to really i'm so like i really don't want to mess it up so i'm, I'm so focused <laughs> when i'm doing it that i don't even realize sometimes what's going on around and
2: uh, that makes sense it's when you said the the shows just seem to fly by even though they're three and a half hours long i can right i that makes sense now yeah and you're sitting there focused and concentrating, man. I, yeah, I can see that. Now, when you're not playing with these two iconic bands, do you have your own music that you work on, or do you, is there a band that you play with, or are you just happy for some time off?
0: So I'm always I'm always writing ideas and riffs at home, but I don't I don't have like my own band, so to speak. Uh, and I guess especially at the moment with everybody being stuck inside, yeah, uh, really all I'm doing is just recording my own little ideas for, for for whenever, you know, for for whatever we can, whatever I might use them for in the future. Oh man. uh, You need to hook up with somebody, send them
2: some that stuff that they can work on it. You guys, you can, uh, yeah, I mean, drop box it to each other.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I've, I've I've got plenty of stuff sitting there that I can, that I can dust off when the, when the time is right. But at the moment I'm just, uh, just enjoying, uh, just writing the old, writing the odd thing and, you know, if it goes somewhere one day, great. If it doesn't, then that's cool. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I would probably love to have my own band here in Manchester, but because I'm touring usually so much, uh, it just makes the whole thing impossible. Yeah. Um, this is the, I mean, the, we played our last show on the 31st of August. So that was eight months ago. So at oh, this wow. point, it's the longest time I've had off in 10 years.
2: Oh my gosh. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, well, see, that's so,
2: time. For, I can see why some uh, some ideas are bubbling up. Then, some, some yeah, exactly.
0: Watching. Starting to get a bit, starting to get a bit touchy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I, I mean, who knows how long this is going to go on for? But yeah. Um. The main thing for me is just I gotta keep playing, even if it's just a little bit every day. Well, if just you, to try and keep to keep it loose.
2: If you end up playing with your own band, it you know doing a normal set it's gonna be nothing you're gonna to have to come up with three and a half hours worth of music just so it feels <laughs> normal for you
0: yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right
2: man look I, I've kept you for a while I, I really do thank you so much like I said Smashing Pumpkins has been a just a presence in my life since college so my late same years. as me <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> I'm a little older than you though right so so to have uh, an official pumpkin on the show, it really is, is amazing to me, and uh, it almost it means almost as much to me as hearing your name with the Pumpkins. So, thank you so much for all this time. It's been a great, great opportunity. It's been a blast talking to you and, and learning about how how he managed to play for three and a half hours on a regular basis. It's just that blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I mean it. it- it it sort of um, when you it's weird like when you get the the list of songs or whatever it feels really daunting at first. It looks really daunting. And then, yeah, and it, yeah, and it is quite daunting. But then <laughs> once you once you get into it, it's actually it just becomes fun and you enjoy. I enjoy it. That's... I enjoy playing with both bands so much that I wish we could play for longer because I just love doing it. And now yeah. it's in the, in when you're in the position of not being able to play. Uh, you sort of feel bad about any time you've ever moaned about playing a long show, <laughs> <laughs> that, No, you point. can't play any shows.
2: That's a good point, man. Do, but, do you, I mean, when you're playing live, do, and I, like I said, I didn't get a chance to see the Pumpkins the, the last tour. Um, right. Do you get a like a bass solo, or do you get a, a chance to to take the spotlight? Or
0: no, 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 no. It, I mean, it, it, I I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to detract from anything else that's going on so i'm happy just to uh just to do my job and um allow the uh our three brilliant guitar (laughs) players and our brilliant drummer to uh to take the rightful spotlight i mean it's those guys are amazing uh players i mean we we talked about jimmy yeah just incredible but jeff and, and billy and james are all incredible Unique uh, guitar players, and okay. it's, it's interesting to sort of watch them, watch the three of them, figure out how they're going to play songs in this sort of relatively new uh, three guitar lineup.
2: That okay, so that that made that made me think for a second here. And is it difficult sometimes when you're on stage to concentrate when you when you've got you know James Eha, Billy Corgan, and Jeff Schrader on there, you know just. Going nuts
0: <laughs> and, you know on, i mean, I, like I, just, I love it as a, as, a, as a fan it's like the dream it, um, you've got
2: the best seat in the house for
0: sure i totally do i totally <laughs> do i look I look to my left and I get to watch the the greatest drummer of all time, probably yeah, and then I get to look in in front of me and I see three of the greatest guitar players, <laughs> so it's like it, yeah. that's a thing it's the front row seat to uh to a great um three hours
2: that's it to me i would almost i would have i would almost not have to how, how am i gonna, how am i trying to say this i would almost f- have to force myself to not pay attention to them because i would just be sitting there staring at them playing the entire time it, I, yeah it's cuz i grew up a fan like that it, it that would be very <laughs> it would be like the best seat in the house and and at the time it's, one of the most difficult things for me to do because I would just want to sit there and watch and, and listen.
0: Right, exactly. So is it? Yeah, is, I'm just the fan that gets to go to every show.
2: Does it? Not does, does the set list? Yeah, Beth, yeah. Beth, man, I envy you on that one. The uh, does the set list change much when you guys are doing a three and a half hour long show?
0: Er uh, it hasn't been recently, just because uh, we the the show we did uh, in 2018 was a real, the production was really amazing. It really told a story. So the, uh, the set didn't change that much, which, which is, which is cool actually, because you can really get to grips with songs. You know, you're not going to play one and then not play it for a month and then it might reappear again and you're playing it not as well as you, as you could. That's a good point. So it's cool. It's cool that it, that it stays quite, quite rigid just because it gives you a chance to play them, as well as you can, which, which I like doing. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad's shows, we do like to sort of throw some, some curve balls in now and again, um, which keeps you on your toes. And but, which has a fan. You know, I love rule. I, pre- I prefer it as a rule to, to not change things that much. Like if it's, if you've okay. got a set that works, I prefer to stick to it, but that's just me.
2: And I, you know, I imagine it would get you, give you a chance to really start to explore those songs a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I think um, sometimes maybe people who aren't musicians might think, oh, playing the same song every night must get boring. But it really doesn't because the more you play the song, the more you get into it and the more you find out about it and the more it changes.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the, quite interesting. The songs can grow and, and, and expand and, and and take on a whole different life live.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I actually I, I have no complaints to, uh, to not changing the set. I think it makes the show better.
2: <laughs> now, the, the one of the cool things I saw in looking at the set list is that the show really touches on almost every album. I mean, I think the Monument to Analogy and um, Oceana, I don't... Are there any songs from... Were there any songs from those two albums?
0: Uh, on the last solo, so in 2019, we played a couple of songs from Monuments. Okay. Uh, I don't think we played anything off Oceania.
2: But there's, but Uh, like all the, uh, you know, all the albums from Gish up through Zeitgeist were.
0: Yeah. Everything was, everything included. Yeah. It was great. I mean, the thing with the, the 2018 tour, the idea behind that was to focus really on the first five albums. Yeah. Um, So the, the set was built from the sort of, uh, 1990 to, to 2000 era. And then, um, last, last year's tour, some of the more recent ones were added. Like we played, uh, we played super Christ, which is a cut from the zeitgeist era. Yeah. And yeah. We played, uh, Tiberius from, from monuments.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh,
0: so it really did. Even, even, even last year, even though the sets were shorter cause it was festivals, uh, they were still playing things from, from the whole career, which is Which is great. And as a fan, that's the perfect uh, situation.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I don't want it to be a retro show. I don't want it to be an oldies show. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. But I do want them to play some of those older songs, and they, you know, and even like,
0: even yeah. on the even on the 2018 tour where it was built around the first five albums, we we would still close with uh, Solara, which is from the latest record. Right. Um, yeah. So there would, the, there was always that sort of nod to what's going on at the moment, and that. Billy's always writing. He never stops writing. And oh, wow. like, he's really prolific and he just writes amazing tunes. So long may that continue.
2: That's amazing. See, I'm a completist and it, it, it all started for me with Led Zeppelin. But as soon as uh I I, I started really getting into the pumpkins and I like to go and, and find everything. Like it, Billy to me is is such an amazing guitarist. And he's such a creative, and and has such a unique sound. It's, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I want everything that he's done, like like Jimmy Page to me. I mean, right? You know, if Jimmy Page belches on a record, I want it. So, <laughs> so it's the same with Billy. And you know, I would go out, and I, I don't know if I should say this to a band members at this point, but I would go out and find all the bootlegs I could with something unusual on it, right? And uh, now, especially studio stuff. And when the uh, remaster started coming out. I was picking those up. I don't have them all yet, but I would love to 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 pick through and, and find all the the B-sides and the demos that he put on and the unreleased yeah. songs. And when you're telling me now that he's just writing, it's just it's kind of making giving me that itch like, "Oh god, I want to hear it. I want to hear whatever the hell he's writing." <laughs> I want it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the the his his body of work is so big and Oh. And but yeah. the quality well, the, is, is maintained throughout.
2: Yeah, and not just with the pumpkins. I mean, his solo stuff, Zwan, I love Zwan. Yeah. And yeah. man, it's making me want to go out and pull these albums out again. And, and all the uh, boots that I got, I got to. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like it behind, well, you can't see because we're not doing video, but behind me, there's boxes with about 3,500 CDs. And Oh, nice. And I'd say a good chunk of those are Billy Corgan and or Jimmy Page stuff. So,
0: cool. So, that is cool. Yeah. I mean, my 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 house is the same. I got all the yeah, all my records.
2: Well, uh, well you you need yeah. them for research. You can probably write those off
0: on your taxes.
2: I all <laughs> research,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we can claim it's research. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was funny because I've got a, I've got a huge. Uh, Vinyl collection that I've started growing over the last few years. Oh, really? And then this week I got the first uh, vinyl record with me on it, which was really cool. Oh, <laughs> when the, the Neil Lanigan record came out.
2: Oh, oh, that's okay. That's awesome.
3: Lord, give me some ketamine so I can feel alright to plant my flag on distant shores and take me through the night
0: So that was a really cool moment uh because i mean Peter oak and the light have put out a series of live albums on vinyl so I'm, i have played on a vinyl record but this was the first of uh, studio uh thing with me on bass so that was really cool that's
2: fantastic oh man that is that's got to be kind of mind-blowing you, you know hearing jack Bates of the smashing pumpkins finding jack Bates on the credit for a mark lanigan album i mean that's
0: well, again, as I said before, it's just dream come true territory. Man,
2: that's um, That's me. So, what are you listening to nowadays? What What kind of when you're not playing, or do you do you listen to a lot of music? Because I, I've had people on the show that say once, like like I had Michael Girard on, and he's he's like once I'm done playing, he's like I don't listen to music.
0: Right. So, no, I, I listen to a lot of music. I always got. I'd rather sit around listening to music than, than sitting around watching TV. I just find it a bit, a bit more, I don't know, a bit more interesting. Uh, so, who's your new think, new favorites? Uh, you know what? Over the last over the last sort of eighteen months, uh, I've been listening to Morphine a lot, which oh. is a band that I never really got into, even though I liked all those nineties bands and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, over the last eighteen months, I've, at the end of the, at the end of twenty nineteen, you know, Spotify gives you that thing where it's like, here is all the Shit you've been listening to in, yeah. in, in order or whatever of, of how many listens, and obviously the pumpkins is at the top just from all the practices, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? but then the sec- second thing was and I was like, wow, really? I've been, uh, as we say in Manchester, I've been rinsing that <laughs> over the last <laughs> 18 months. Uh, that's
2: cool.
1: I, so
0: like I, listen it. To, I listen to a lot of that, um, but over the last few weeks, I've been listening to loads of Thin Lizzy for some reason. I don't know why, really? Yeah. Wow. It's funny because uh, one, of, one of my friends, uh, my, my, one of mine and Jeff's friends, Britt on Instagram, he does uh, does these like he's he's a DJ and he does these things on Instagram Live every Sunday where he does like a metal kind of hard rock DJ set. Oh, cool! And um, it, it was it was that that sort of sent me down this uh, thin uh spiral. Oh man, <laughs> so, I've, I've been listening to a lot of old stuff recently, but the, again during the, during the lockdown it's actually been good because a lot of, a lot of good new stuff has come out too. Oh yeah. And, um, like the, the Lanigan record. I, I played on four songs, uh, but I hadn't heard the rest of it. So I was really <laughs> enjoyed listening to that. It's, and then, um, it's, you know, it, uh, yeah, it's a great record. And, um, uh, Greg Dully from the Afghan Whids put out an amazing solo album. Oh yeah. And, um, there, there has been really good new stuff coming out too. So it's been good.
2: That's awesome, I'm, man. I, I'm a big John Sykes fan. I love his his guitar. That, oh yeah, that dude can just
0: rip. Yeah, he's another I mean, guy I'd
2: like to get on this show one one of these days.
0: Yeah, if like, yeah, he's she, listening. She, yeah, um, I mean, for me, just in terms of, I mean, I suppose I'm gravitated towards the, the bass playing, and um, Phil Linnet's bass playing is unbelievable. Oh yeah, uh, and the same, the same again with with Morphe. Um, Mark Sandman, the, the bass player and singer from Morphine, sort of threw all the rules out the window with his uh, two-string slide bass. Oh
2: that whole band—every <laughs> every instrument in that band threw things out the window. Dana Colley was somehow was playing two saxophones.
0: Yeah, and they don't have a guitar player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, sort of, it really—that it, that, that, I think that's why I like that band so much, just because it's so different to everything else I listen to. Yeah, Quite I got
2: I got a chance to see them live once and it was oh, wow. really early on the uh, cure for pain. I think it had just come out and it was really weird cause I didn't really know them, but they were the they and they weren't even the band I was there to see They they were right. headlining. It was at the stone pony in Asbury park. New Jersey, oh, yeah. And it was morphine, but they were the, I was actually there to, because I wanted to see the opening band, 16 horsepower. Right. And, uh, it, it's funny cause I got there, you know, rocked out to some, Pretty weird folk rock with, with uh, 16 Horsepower, which is a, a weird-ass band. They were, they were amazing. If, if if you don't know them and if, if any of the listeners don't know, go back and check out 16 yeah, Horsepower. Yeah,
0: it's the first I've
2: heard of them. Oh, man. They are uh, – I can't even explain them. They're just this weird – their music is scary. It sounds like it should be the soundtrack to an American Gothic movie.
0: Right. It, uh, it, I will check it out. Yeah, I'll check
2: it out. Are you familiar with the band Woven Hand at all? I'm not. Okay. That's when 16 Horsepower broke up, the uh, guitarist slash accordion player slash singer, uh, David Eugene Edwards, started this band Woven Hand. And they take what 16 Horsepower did and they make it heavier. And it's just. It's, right. So if. if okay. If you want to hear some, yeah, I I love. I fortunately I saw, and this is one of the coolest uh, stories that I, that I can think of in my own experience. I went to go see, uh, so I saw 16 Horsepower open for Morphine, and uh, and that's what kind of won me over with Morphine was seeing them live. And I went out and bought the album after that because I didn't have anything by them. But right, a couple of years later, 16 Horsepower came back around to. I was living in New Jersey at the time. And uh, they were playing in Philadelphia. And this is pre-internet. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how I figured this out. They were playing at a theater. Then the venue got changed to a bar about a block away. Right. I'm trying to remember how I found that out. I don't even know. They may have sent out a mailer or something for people who had bought tickets early. But I went to that bar and there was a sign on the bar saying the show has been moved back to the theater. And it was 16 horsepower opening for a band called Grant Lee Buffalo, another really cool band, but for right. the nineties. So I went to the, went back to the, but they said, if, if you have, you, you bought it, your tickets 16 horsepower after the Grant Lee Buffalo set is going to be playing back at the bar. So if you have your ticket, just come on in and they they're going to honor their commitment to the bar. So I was like, Oh, Oh shit. I'm in. So I went and I saw 16 Horsepower open for Lee Buffalo and then I went after that show I went back to the bar and saw 16 Horsepower again. So I got to see right. two sets live in 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 one night. Oh, that's cool. And I was all by myself in the middle of downtown Philadelphia and Wow. That's not a place you want to be by yourself. I and and it was on Halloween night. So Right. You don't want that. That's kind of a. I was scared to death to walk back to my car by myself. So
0: right, but it it was. So a, I've had a few, I've had a few moments like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So it, yeah, sixteen horsepower is is, is pretty crazy. So, all right, so Thin uh, Lizzy,
0: morphine, um, loads of Motorhead recently as well. Uh, man, I, I don't know. again, I don't know why I'm just uh, drawn back to it. You're into you into some heavy stuff. Yeah, some, yeah,
2: some pretty hard rocking stuff. Well. I mean, look, I've kept you for a while. It's been a blast talking with you and, and, and all. And when the pumpkins come around, I, I'm definitely gonna get some tickets and see you guys. And
0: yeah, man, just just give me a shout. Um, who knows when it'll be?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I
0: mean, at the moment, we're 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 penciled in for October to to tour in the U.S. Oh, awesome. Um, which was supposed to have happened by now. It was supposed to be April May. Yeah. And they moved it to October. But, I mean, who knows the way this is going, whether whether it's going to happen or not. But
2: Well, hopefully uh, things hopefully are starting we'll to open be... up so, around and, yeah, in my exactly. area.
0: So. Yeah, so, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. I don't think anybody really knows what things are going to look like in a few months. No. So, we'll just have to wait and see and uh, see what happens. But I hope so. I hope it happens. I oh, mean, we, were, yeah. we, had, we actually had a lot in for this year. We were supposed to play April, May. And then uh, July opening for Guns Roses. Oh wow! And that that tour just got postponed uh, a couple of days ago. So man, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in the same I'm in the same boat as a lot of musicians at the moment, which is yeah. your diary goes from full to empty.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a,
0: it's, I'm wide open. Which I is, mean, it's it, it's trivial to complain about it in the grand scheme of things, but you know,
2: it, it's working out well for me though because I get a lot of people open and willing to do
0: podcasts. Well there you go. Yeah, it gives them what to do when they're uh, when otherwise they'd just be doing the laundry like me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have a nice cup of coffee on a, a still overcast morning. I'm dying to to see the I mean I last time I saw the pumpkins live was ninety four at Lollapalooza. Wow,
0: right okay.
2: What's been the weirdest concert experience you've had, either as a band member or in the audience?
0: Um you know what? It's always the, whenever I get asked that, it's always the same question. So in two thousand, same answer. Sorry. So in, in two thousand and fourteen, played in Mongolia with my dad, which is undoubtedly the the weirdest gig.
2: Wow. <laughs> How uh, is there a big Joy Division contingent in Mongolia? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Evidently, yeah. I mean, it was weird <laughs> because uh, we got the call only about five days before the show. Oh. There's a band that pulled out who were headlining this festival oh my over there gosh. in, uh, in Ulaanbaatar wow. <laughs> in Mongolia. And then so we got asked to play because they pulled out. And I thought it was a joke at first. It was actually like, What are you doing on Friday? I'm like, Nothing. It's like, we got this offer from Mongolia. I'm like, <laughs> But it was true. And then uh, yeah, we went over there, and had one of the best weekends. But it, I mean, it was weird, just, but one of the best weekends I've had on tour it was great oh man that the the show i mean the look on my dad's face (laughs) when he was was looking out at a a sea of people in mongolia wearing joys and t-shirts was amazing like you couldn't believe it
1: that's crazy
0: Uh, and we don't know anybody else that's that's played there i've been there it it feels like a, a really unique thing for us uh it was cool and we stayed there for like four days
2: Oh wow! And did,
0: did did all the tourist stuff and uh, <laughs> it, it was cool, man. It was great.
2: Yeah, I don't. And of all the bootlegs I've got of all the bands, I don't think any one of them is from Mongolia.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is. It was funny because uh, this festival had been going for fifteen years at that point, oh, so wow. probably like probably like twenty years now, and um, they we were the first European band to play it. Like the the bill is always just Russian and Japanese bands.
2: Oh my gosh!
0: We were the first European band. But a guy came up to us and he was like, I, it, "I'm I'm so sorry about the weather. Uh, it's not stopped raining for 24 hours. Usually it's like 30 degrees. It's, it's lovely." <laughs> and then I remember my dad saying to him, "Well, that's what happens when you book a band from Manchester. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you bring in the weather with you."
0: Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. Man. But it was very. Uh, there was there was some very weird moments, but also some very memorable ones. So that's, that was that was one of the best trips for sure.
2: That's well, that's. I'd love to
0: go back there one day, uh, and to play or even more, more of a tourist. Do more of, the, do more of the tourist stuff, just because it it's, it's a really interesting place and the people are lovely. So I would like to go back there.
2: I would love to to travel a little bit more like that. And that's one of the, the things that I'm always jealous of of touring musicians is the travel. And I, I've I've heard a lot of people. Say that you know I don't I don't get a chance to to yeah. see too much of the country because we're you know we're traveling we're always in the bus or on the stage or in a plane or on stage. So do you do you ever get a chance to to do more of what you did in Mongolia and and take some I mean, time?
0: It it just depends on the schedule. Yeah. I mean it's one of those things where um, I remember when at the end of the 2015 tour that we did with my dad, um, we ended the tour in Honolulu.
1: Ooh.
0: We, we we so we played in hawaii and then as soon as we as soon as we got that confirmed everyone was like right i will pay for my hotel <laughs> so just give me put my flight back by like five days i need <laughs> to you know so you, sometimes you can sort of work it like that i yeah. remember there was a i had a really one of my one of my best friends lives in uh Mexico in Playa.com and, and my dad's, my dad's biggest shows are in Mexico. So we go there quite a lot. Oh, cool. And, um, I remember I had a, I had a great holiday there once after we'd finished a tour in, in Mexico. So it, you can sort of spin it sometimes where you can be like, all right, can you just delay my flight and I'll pay for my hotel and that sort of thing. But in the middle of a tour, it is hard to yeah. find the time. You know, if, if, if you're in the middle of a tour and you've got a, an off day where there's something you really want to do, Sometimes it's a great idea, and then when you actually get to it, you just think, I need to just stay in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not always possible.
2: Oh, man. Well, you know, hopefully that'll, you know, you, you continue to have some really cool tour endings, so you've got some nice places to visit.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always the best thing is to, to uh, end a tour in somewhere you want a holiday. That's always a good thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to end it in, uh, I don't know, where would you not want to end a tour? Uh, Detroit?
0: You know what? I love playing in Detroit. Um, (laughs) Damn it! I don't know. I thought I had you. I suppose as a a guy from Manchester, I should say, I don't want to end the tour in Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I love Liverpool too, though. Our managers are actually from Liverpool, so that's cool.
2: Oh, yes. All right, well. I'm only choking. We can definitely wrap up on that then. I don't want to get you in too much trouble. All
0: right
2: man. Well thank you so much for for spending your well your afternoon and my morning with me. It, it's been great.
0: No worries, man. it was a pleasure.